This week on the That Podcast Productions, it's the end of the world as we know it, and we feel kind of icked out. Get your basketballs ready, it's Monster High on That Podcast Stays Up All Night. Welcome, listeners, to That Podcast Days Up All Night, where the only world that's ending is our childhoods. I'm your generic protagonist, Josh, here with Pop Fiend Cody and Aura the Computer Geek. Say hello, hello Gracies. <laughs> Hi, uh, guys. How's it going? <laughs> so, of uh. course, uh, Up All Night is... <laughs> He's still going. He can't, he can't walk on I'm the done. intro. I'm done. <laughs> So, of course, Up All Night is the only podcast out there dedicated to chronicling all the films of USA Up All Night, a show full of mostly teen skin flicks. So, Aura, I think it's about time you horrify us with the elevator pitch for this week's film. Alright, so let me let me run this past you guys, alright? Do you like comedy? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you like violent horror? Absolutely. Not really. No. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you like censored nipples? Absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. Oh. No. God, uh, God did not intend for that. Then you guys are the target audience for Monster High, which utterly fails to impress. Uh, a high school full of losers squares off with the literal embodiment of the apocalypse, yet there's still time for numerous felony sexual assaults. Monster High was a 1989 horror comedy Directed by Rudy Poe as his first full-length feature. Oh, Rudy Poe. <laughs> Rudy, a, Rudy Poe. Rudy Poe's a Rudy Pie. <laughs> uh, Rudy Poe, rather. Uh, the cast were largely unknowns with a smattering of B-movie hands like David Marriott as Mr. Armageddon, uh, who had been in films, classic films like Order of the Eagle and Operation War Zone. Uh, the film was released by the, at the time, brand new distributor Lightyear Entertainment. Lightyear uh, Entertainment! Best known for producing Jane Fonda fitness videos and Stevie Nicks concert films. Hang on, pause, pause, pause. Is that true? That's, yeah, all this is research that I've done. Fair enough, alright. It's amazing. I, it's been a while since I did the research, but as far as I know, I'm not lying. It, amazing <laughs> to know that they were predecessors to uh, Toy Story franchise fame. <laughs> Uh, Monster High was representative of a new direction the company was moving in at the time. Uh, another of the company's 1989 releases was the Jim Wynorski uh, film Return of Swamp Thing. Of course, the big problem with researching Monster High uh, on the internet with Google Foo is because of the uh, damnable children's television programming and toy line yep. that shares the same name. I, so I... that was real fun to research all this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, also had somebody that I told I was watching this movie, and they immediately were like, you're talking about those, like, Bratz dolls things? <laughs> that's that's what the other podcast is for. <laughs> I've Ooh. never watched Monster High, but I have watched an inter- a, a Let's Play on YouTube of people playing the Monster High video game. Oh my god, wow. So I feel like I really do understand <laughs> yeah. Tapped the in. Monster High franchise. <laughs> 
Mm, uh, not yeah. this one, though. No. I don't understand this no. at all. Uh, so, guys, what do we <laughs> expect off of this film, based on uh, on prior knowledge and covers and other things? Uh, I mean, um, this would be my third or fourth watch for this movie because of the... You know, the well. technical difficulties we had getting the show started. <laughs> well, maybe let's try and speak to the original. I'm trying I mean, to... I can, yeah. I'll go first. Like yeah. I, This is a movie that I suggested as an early movie for us because it is a movie that, and we'll have a larger discussion of this later, uh, that I remember a lot as an up-all-night film. It's one of the ones that stood out the most in my memory because I think it embodies a lot of what the show was. So to me, it's kind of an expectation setter, and I'm kind of curious as to what you guys came into it with. Uh, it was definitely, like, I watched this one before any of the other movies for the podcast just because I, I borrowed your copy of it, and the, the cover is just the title with, like, a creepy-looking hand coming out of a locker. So yeah, the, you expected <laughs> horror, didn't there's you? There's not, yeah, there, I, and everything else that was on the DVD was stuff like The Craft and Fright Night, so I was like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is gonna be, you know... And brain scan. Uh, yeah, a brain scan. So I was like, oh, is that, this is... Is that Edward Furlong in that? Uh, yeah, and then yeah, Chris Furlong. Sarandon's Fright Night and Kraft mm-hmm. is like filled with other like A-listers, too. Or... It's, a, it's a weird set in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's closest to brain scan, because it was kind of a movie that was not well-treated in its day, if I recall. Mm-hmm. But it's not good. Starting the movie, it was like, okay, maybe I have an idea where this... And then brutally thrust into so many breasts immediately. I was like, oh, okay. Alright, here, this is what uh, this is. <laughs> yeah, I think I suggested that you watch that first when we were onboarding whether or not you'd be on the show because I thought uh-huh. it would give you a good sense. Oh, yeah, of, like, absolutely kind did. of stuff. I think I told you, like, if you think this is a, a fun thing that you would talk about, then that's a good indication that you might... It definitely has the, the best of, like, of bad horror elements along with, like, good bad horror c- comedy timing and then also, like, seemingly random breasts. Like, the the smattering throughout the movie of them is also comical in the sense that they just keep showing up with very little pretenses. Often very little motivation. Yeah. Like there's, there's a whole device in it that basically exists to, to have women occasionally appear topless in cutaways. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's also weird because um, this particular movie has like basically two framing devices before you're into the actual story, mm-hmm. and neither of those framing devices mattered. <laughs> like, nope. Any way, shape, or form. Yep. <laughs> They are very irrelevant to the to the entire conversation, and just really feel like they're there to just add in another ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so uh, okay, I remember. So uh, the first time me and you watched this together, not the first time I saw it, but the first time me and Josh watched this together, Venom was out in theaters too, and so like there was this element of like. Venom to the, like, the movie Venom to the, because, you know, like, just the, the experiments and the, you know, the the, the crash landing alien thing and... Oh, <laughs> like, man. So. <laughs> so you related it to the film Venom. Yeah. That is that is fascinating. Yeah. I see, I see those ties. <laughs> there, there are also, I mean, with the, the she-Venom scene, it's technically like That's, almost yeah. breasts in uh, Venom as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. That's, uh, who is it? Michelle Williams, the female lead in that? In Venom? Can't remember. Boy, I couldn't tell you. Someone who just I couldn't have told you right after I watched the movie. So I want to talk has... about an utterly forgettable movie. <laughs> Someone who had no interest in the oh, person they were playing off of. I thought it was kind of. I, I thought it was a fun. It wasn't a good movie by any means. Yeah, and it had an. It's going to be a, a final movie fight that, that like, made me angry. If, if, yes. if podcasts like this exist in twenty years, it's a movie that will end up on one of these podcasts. Because <laughs> they like. What was going on? What were they thinking by making this? <laughs> it yeah. might well end up on one of our podcasts. I would not, <laughs> oh, oh certainly one of ours, but I meant, you know. <laughs> I remember, the biggest thing I remember from it is that there was that ending fight sequence that was just like <coughs> goopy semen monsters hey, yeah. two. beating each other up. And I think in the theater I was just like, the fuck even is this? Well, yeah. well so, I mean, let me, when I said in 20 years... Because kind of what we're doing here in, with this show is a bit of archaeology. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yes. We have to figure out, because, uh, you know, th- this existed before the age of the internet, so there wasn't a bunch of ongoing commentary at the time mm-hmm. that's yeah. available to us easily through just Googling up, which is what, you know, Josh opened with his frustrations about, like, trying <laughs> to find monster yeah. high stuff because of the other thing mm-hmm. that does have conversations ongoing and, and things <laughs> like that. That's a big part of why I wanted to do this show because a lot of these movies are very these aren't all movies that are we that are in the archive. Like well, we tend to think in the modern world of, of all the culture that's been produced in our lifetime is existing within this. I archive. can stream it somewhere or something, right? Yeah. But a lot of it isn't. Like in, in this this film is available on a DVD that was reasonably priced, but like, not forever. DVDs aren't forever, and the, it takes an active, uh, it takes active archiving to keep these kinds of cultural artifacts alive. And for the most part, like a lot of these things will just fade because there isn't a lot of point to keeping Monster High alive as mu- as as much of a part of my life as it was being a film that I so strongly associated with something that made an impression on me. Uh, and I don't think that's necessarily bad, but I think it's good to take a moment to sort of appreciate those. Well, the, the you know, like the, a huge percentage of silent film has been lost. Like the majority of silent film are lost mm-hmm. films. Uh, and honestly, a lot of the ones that were lost probably weren't very good. <laughs> and probably a lot of the preserved ones are the better ones, but... Still, those lost ones, some of those were somebody's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's worth a moment. If I can be fucking <laughs> sappy about why I do this podcast for a second, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Laura. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting is just like so so many of these movies have such incredibly generic titles I feel like just because they were the first people to be like, oh, it's called Monster High. You'll, even yeah. though that's like a very loose connotation, I wouldn't even call it really a monster movie. Yeah, but like even some of the other stuff, like Cheerleader Beach Party, is is pretty vague and non-indicative, and fast food is even more so. It's just wild that nothing before it was called that. We're going to get to one uh, famed sex comedy called Hamburger the Motion Picture. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have a much legit DVD of. Oh, oh yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, you're absolutely right. But I mean, another reason 
<laughs> to preserve this sort of stuff would also to, you know, just be, like, realize that something like Mad Balls, for instance, has a context. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, because, Cody, you're probably too, do you know what a Mad Ball is when I say that? You're talking about, like, the, the things with the faces on them? Oh, good. You yeah, do. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. It was a comic that they attempted to do a few years back to try and bring that back. It was a comic book. Also, it just... It. <laughs> it was like one of the ultimate weapons in Ready Player One. Oh. Uh, all right. So it's, it it's, made a, it's made a resurgence <laughs> as well. But I, I do remember them because they all have like the... It feels very like late '80s, early '90s. Like they're all like grimacing faces and like red and purple colors. Yeah, they were they they were literal uh, like balls which you could like toss to your friends or bounce them. But if you bounced them, they because they had the rubber faces yeah. were like chaotic in yeah. their in their trajectories. Yeah. So and they were like soft, spongy material, if I recall. Because mm-hmm. I had one. I had the baseball one, if I recall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, something like Mad Balls, which did make it, and still apparently yeah. people know, like, had to have had some sort of, you know, Monster High, I'm not saying that, you know, the people with Mad Balls ripped off Monster High or vice versa, <laughs> but, but uh, this context... It's quite exi- a stretch, or <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, they're either a common antecedent or, or influence on each other. That makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to trace the the origin of things. Like these all spring from the same uh, wellspring at yeah. some point. Yeah. Plus, it's like you have like an alien with a really <laughs> elongated head in your movie. It's like, oh, okay. Very obviously, you have seen a uh, <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott movie, but uh, there's there's tons of things that you can rip and pick from this movie, and you'd never be called out for uh, taking it from Monster High. <laughs> Yeah, Mac and Me was a total ripoff of this film. <laughs> There's, I wish, I wish <laughs> there was a wheelchair play. cliff scene in this in Monster High. Just some kid gets shot to death at the end of it for no reason. It's like a RoboCop level like death of a kid in a wheelchair. <laughs> All right, I think we've gone back from the seriousness into the. Why are you giving him that look? You do know that. Mac and me ends with a yes. kid in the wheelchair being fucking gunned down by the police, right? <laughs> <laughs> because that's how that movie ends. Spoiler alert. Uh, what I was really <laughs> appreciating, though, was the out-of-context line that Cody just had, which is, I wish Monster High had a wheelchair on a, cli- on a cliff scene. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a wheelchair on a cliff scene in Mac and <laughs> So, uh, that didn't... Wasn't that the that was the Paul Rudd thing? Yes, it's, that's every time that's Paul how Rudd appeared on Conan, I believe he would play the clip. <laughs> clip from say, I got a clip from whatever film it's going to show, and then he would show the scene of a wheel, of a kid in a wheelchair going down a cliff. <laughs> Instead of whatever it was, yeah, because the alien like sees him and then just does nothing, and you just see this like limp ragdoll like body in a wheelchair like falling off of a definite definitely kill height clip. <laughs> That's why we have to keep these weird things in culture alive, because, you know, you can make references to them, and they're hilarious. They're hilarious. I think the newest season, like, the most, most recent season to date now of Mystery Science Theater did Mac and Me. <laughs> they like, do. The Gauntlet. It it's a really fucking good rift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I, I like the new Mystery Science Theater. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, shout out Jonah Ray. That guy uh, yeah. once sent me a personalized uh, Twitter video. I'll oh. share it with you later. Awesome. That's really cool. He seems like a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Local celebrity Cody here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we've been serious and we've been silly. So let's throw it to the jump. Uh, and then we'll come back with your synopsis. When you're saying jump, you mean like the wheelchair kid thing? or? <laughs> yes, we're going to make somebody in a wheelchair jump. Sorry, Cody. So how's the new channel promos going? Not great. Engagement could be up. Not enough people are heading to the socials. We were really hoping for some more. That reminds me. What the fuck are you doing? Uh, like this week's movie shows, sex sells, buddy. We need some topless scenes. <laughs> First off, I'm pretty sure the toplessness that sells is the female kind. Hey man, uh, don't sell yourself short. Right? Aura, the first step to loving others is loving yourself. That's what she said. <laughs> also, in case you forgot, this is a podcast. I don't follow. Welcome back to That Podcast Stays Up All Night, where we're always tired the next day. Uh, we're back with your synopsis of Monster High, so Cody, take it away. So the film opens on narration by a male voice telling a cheap joke, and you never get to hear the voice again, although most of the film is narrated by a separate diegetic female voice. Uh, this really sets the tone for the quality of the writing and the rest of the movie. We then go to the office of the monster in charge, who has a very long name and in some shots may be in blackface? It's, that is also unclear. And he's, he's, he's just constantly, like, his skin is constantly black whenever there's any sort of... Like, he's usually lit so you can't see him. Yeah, for, or from the back or, like, a hood area. But whenever there's accidental backlighting and stuff, like, you can tell that he's all blacked up. Like, obsidian black, but still. I'm just like, that's... He's not, he's not trying to Lawrence Olivier it. <laughs> uh, but he's upset at the reports of an incident involving a one Mr. Armageddon. Uh, full title, and demands his underlings explain. So they instantly whip up a video package delivered by a gratuitous tit shot, and then most of the rest of the film will be the monster in charge watching the video package, occasionally inter uh, occasionally interrupting to argue with the aforementioned female narrator. Why the framing device? I don't know. Maybe there was a sale. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> but, uh, that, that joke was certainly very organic. It was clearly not written in a script for you to read. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there was a sale? <laughs> <laughs> There's a fire sale. <laughs> oh my god! There's a fire, fire sale. sale. <laughs> I just blew myself. Oh! <laughs> uh. <laughs> he said some beautiful things. <laughs> she never even saw the license plate. <laughs> All right. Just, do, stars. I, <laughs> uh, do I need to redo any of that? Do you also, want to redo the last line? Uh, maybe. No, and, it was fine, man. Just do it in your own. I, that's fine. Your voice. Uh, also, did I say diegetic? Right? Was that yeah, the yeah. correct word? All right. Yeah, cool. Diegetic. Okay. <clears throat> Meanwhile, over in the actual story, 
two aliens. Oh wait, were you? No, no, no. Oh my bad. Uh, meanwhile, over in the actual story, two alien skinheads express their alt-right rage by stealing what they think is a doomsday device and escaping to Earth. To be fair, it does say doomsday device on the box. Yeah. And it kind of is, and kind of isn't, and... I mean, yeah, if they, as it's far actually as... just a basketball. Yeah, as far... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a basketball in the crate. Uh, they don't know that until they lick it. Then, then they can figure it out. But uh, inside the basketball is Mr. Armageddon, a lounge lizard Dracula with long fingernails and a taste for sexual assault. He freezes the aliens, creates a gargoyle with a boner, because it's a, you know, a, a horned gargoyle. It's got one horn, it's horny. It's the, the gargoyle is horny because it's... <laughs> Because his powers are also horny, but the the gargoyle he has, has the horn on his on his head. head Look, I'm just trying but to get also the horn in his pants. It's really hard being up here, you know. Yeah, the horn in his pants, as well as the one on his head. But uh, yeah, with the, with the that creature in tow, prepares to end the world at the high school he landed at. So credits roll over a theme song. And that theme song is Casio Presents Music, lyrics by a Wesley Willis wannabe, and a vocalist who is clearly not allowed to hear the instrument tracking. <laughs> it is off-key in a way that must be heard to be believed. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's funny because uh, we had, you know, we have a DVD copy, but it's the the way it's off-key feels like a VHS tape. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it's off-key feels like your little brother fucking recorded it. Right. <laughs> Uh, not since LL Cool J's theme for Deep Blue Sea has a song better summed up a film's feel. That was... I did not know that. That's a little... I didn't know that you, was you an LL... You the LL Cool J song from Deep Blue Sea? Uh, no, I mean, I, I know the song All just right. from the movie, but I didn't know that that was LL Cool J. My hat is like a shark's fin. <laughs> so, after the opening credits roll, the actual film of the actual film finally gets going... And we're introduced to hero Norm Medium, who is only exceptional in being 30 years old but still attending high school. <laughs> or I guess his skill would be convincing everybody else that he is still a high school student. <laughs> you see, he's Norm, normal, median, in the middle. Ah, oh, one of the, one of the film's many very obvious face value name puns. And his, his brother's... Uh... Norm mode. <laughs> Norm mean. Norm average. Oh, I guess that's that's even more obvious. Uh, he has a crush on the exchange student Candace Kane, but worries because he is not in the school's big shot basketball team. Candy he, Kane, you see. Ah, uh, I was. Oh, I didn't get. I did. I, I did just now. <laughs> That's funny because we earlier we did that to Josh. Yeah. And but he just did it now to us. He, he was chomping at the bit to wait. He, he really was. He, he, he's a vindictive bitch like that. Oh. Uh, uh, so then we are introduced to a meaningless support cast of uh, the sarcastic nerd Paul, a stoner with the standard issue druggy nickname, and Mel. 
who is perpetually waking up from a nightmare and easily one of the funniest parts of the movie by a long shot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very, very datist. It's a very dadaist fucking joke because it ain't you. You know, we'll cop behind the scenes. I write the script and this. I kind of probably wrote a bit in my voice here. What I find weird about it is how it destabilizes the fucking reality of the film because he's constantly waking up from nightmares that concern the events that are supposed to be actually happening at yeah. the Like, he's in the bathroom and he's almost killed by a mummy, but then he wakes up. And you're just like, so is all this mummy stuff that we cut back to a fucking dream when he's not present? Or, like... Because he gets also the the very long-joked horny mascot... I, I believe there's only one shot in the entire movie other than them, like, showing his pants bulge where he actually is, like, spying on anybody in any sort of horny capacity. And then the next time you see him is when he hits this kid with a truck. No one's... No one, no scene lead up to how he gets the truck or where he has a truck, but just plows over this dude in the middle of a different scene... That is very real, and then he wakes up again. <laughs> yep. Uh, so and and but then like towards the end, there's a scene where the the heroes have to go find out how to program a computer in the library, and they find Mel there, who's just waking up. He's being attacked by a zombie, and he's all like, "Oh, this, don't worry, guys, just another dream. Oh, you're gonna fucking kill me, zombie who has a gun." <laughs> uh, which I'm. Not gonna even fucking talk about why you'd have a zombie with a gun, mm-hmm. um, but then he gets like the zombie slashes him, and he's all like, "Oh god, this isn't a dream!" And then he turns into a zombie, and the heroes have to. Like, Candace beats him to death in a kind of brutal beatdown scene, and you're like, "Oh well, I guess uh, that final time wasn't a dream, wasn't a nightmare." So I guess it was real, and he just had coincidentally prophetic nightmares the entire time prior to this. Is this another but the, USA Up All Night movie where the supernatural clearly exists? Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. it's about aliens and monsters. Oh, and that's true. Well, no, that's but science yeah. shit, you know. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, fair enough. <laughs> um, but at the very end of this film, like, there's a post-credits where he wakes up again. So it's a snow globe shit, I guess. Wow. That's wild. It's definitely... Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, last... Uh, I, I told you I've seen this like three or four times. I never watched the post credit scene before until this time. And so I was like, I was like, has this post credit scene... Oh, like, obviously it's been there the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was like, so... <laughs> I did the same thing where I was like, so is it all a dream? Is that... <laughs> I guess it's all a dream. I guess none of the stuff that we're talking about happened. Honestly, if it's a dream, the, like, double and triple framing of the movie makes way more sense because I feel like that's how real people dream. (laughs) Yeah. It's also, I feel like, almost directly at that point where in the library scene, it definitely takes a turn to the comedy is extremely self-aware from, like, that point on. Yeah. It it definitely has bits of it leading up up to that point where it's self-aware, but but especially at that turn, there's there's a lot of facing the camera and, f- and feeding my lines right to the audience after that point. Yeah, and there's a lot of it's like in the script I put it, like there's it's kind of weirdly Andy Kaufman anti-comedy in this, mm. the the waking up bit, only it's just in the middle of a teen skin flick for some reason. Yeah. 
So and then the the villain stomps around the school, making new monsters like a, a giant pot leaf, preppy zombie, walking computer man. Uh, also has time to f- pursue his hobbies of rape and murder. That that's the other thing too, like the the disgusting way of checking off the the cheerleaders that he's fuck killing with yeah. his uh, with his coke nail with his bloody coke nail. <laughs> I uh, th- uh, the first proceeded. It's weird because it it seems to exist so there can be cutaways of boobs because mm-hmm. a lot of them they'll be like you know a woman vanishes and then you'll see a shot of a young woman and she's like what's happening and then her tits pop out and then we see him checking her off in the yearbook with a bloody fingernail i i absolutely the first time you see the fingernail like full of blood i definitely thought there was going to be a shot of him after because there's still so much blood left after he makes a sloppy check mark i thought for sure we were going to get a shot of him like snorting the blood or something it Ooh. seemed like sleazy bad guy but mm-hmm. maybe maybe in the middle of the 80s when other things were going on that wasn't such a <laughs> such a great idea it's it's incongruous as far as tone. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. At, at least the film is somewhat tasteful in that it cuts away from the incidents themselves, though often not before popping out a boob or two or four or six. Oh, we, we we've been talking yeah. about this already. Blah blah blah. We're talking the yearbook stuff. Yep. Two doofus skinheads. Yeah, the the two doofus skinheads who we find out are some kind of genitalia and race hate themed rappers on their home world bumble around I mean, in the background. Right, so I assume there's race hate. Were <laughs> you watching this one with other people, Cody? Me? Oh, absolutely. And it's, how did that part go over? <laughs> uh, I, it was distinctly at that point where they started doing the rapping thing. I can't remember what the line was, but it, it's one of their last like rhymes. And the room exploded, and my former roommate Michael said, this is the best movie I've seen. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's like, this isn't even ironically bad anymore. This is just an amazing movie. That's funny. Oh, yeah, and the, besides uh, their uh, incredible uh, musical abilities, they also have the ability to summon expendable women at their whim. Like, like one scene long, like... Just ogling some poor woman in a uh, skin suit while they themselves are packing almost wood in every single shot of their waist below. And then she just gets uh, immediately ripped in half. Yes, ripped in half by the camel toe, if I recall. (laughs) Yes. Split right down the middle. That was odd. That was an odd scene. The whole thing was... (laughs) Yes, it's <laughs> odd because they don't fucking matter to the film. <laughs> you, I feel like we could definitely rearrange the shots of the movie and maybe make something that makes a like a teeny tiny bit more sense, or just a lot of cutting. But then it, the movie would be like forty five minutes long. That would not make it worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then, uh, also in unexplainable tied in somehow with the plot of the movie, a teacher decides to show off the basement, which is uh, complete with nuclear reactors, uh, to to a class of also bored 20 to 30-something-year-old high school students. And every character that's been named so far. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And uh, everybody proceeds to be... uh, 
either pulled or killed off screen in a typical like oh just because we weren't looking in the direction of this one single person it means they are they are prone to being killed <laughs> so then uh, Candace is almost rape murdered again by Mr. Armageddon and Paul and oh yeah the, the stoner's name is OD survive the basement only to be killed by giant microwaved magic sneakers and a pot monster oh and Norm briefly encounters Mr. Armageddon and is appointed the prophet of doomsday. Oh, yeah. So so Norm gets to know everything that's going on and does his best slash worst to try to explain it. <laughs> I also like how he doesn't immediately explain it to the people that he just teamed back up with after yeah. that scene. He instead runs to a completely different group of disenfranchised losers and tries to tell them that this is what's happening. Yeah. Because he goes to try to tell all the computer guys. Mm-hmm. Who, of course, are all like, science would know. And you're like, oh, stupid science. This, <laughs> this is why America is dead last in science. <laughs> this is why Trump is president, damn it. <laughs> Because a couple, like, because three nerds in the '80s didn't believe this one guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so while while their classmates are being picked off, Norm and Candace shelter from the monsters in the advanced sexual education room, which I, I see is also a trope in uh, up all night movies: is sex therapy or sex related sciences. Yes, the sexual sciences were were very advanced in the cinematic. Universe, <laughs> Cinemax, cinematic universe. Yeah, I grew up in the Midwest, so all I'm familiar with is abstinence only. <laughs> so uh, they decide they don't don't need to die as virgins, which definitely contradicts the earlier statements about <laughs> Candace being pretty round healed and uh, working her way, some line about working her way through the yearbook or something. They say that she does that the only she's a French exchange student and the only English word she doesn't know is no. Yeah, is yeah is no, which is also weird because isn't the French word for no also no? Uh, I think it's somewhat different, but it's close enough. I mean, yeah. I think I I would be surprised if there was a French person who didn't know that no meant no in English. <laughs> um, I I was shocked every time she spoke because the it's accent. No. Was N O N, but it's close enough. <laughs> the, the accent was kind of unexpected. Uh, my, so my guess for this is that she is really from a different country, and that's her real accent. That she, she's trying to dress up as French as close as they can get, and then they're like, "Oh, well, she's an exchange uh, student. That makes sense." She's either French or German. I, I, I looked it up because she's actually worked in, uh, in French and German film industries. We'll get to that uh, later. Nice. So, so during that's, that's a genuine accent. Yeah. <laughs> which is why it's not... I mean, she, her accent isn't all that comical. It's not all like... Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Which uh, it would definitely make more sense for them to punch it up. But again, it lends itself to the film going way hard in some aspects and not at all in the others. They don't follow up on Chek Chekhov's accent at all either, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this I think this is the only room or the only room, the only scene in the movie where the the horny uh, mascot actually has anything to do with his character deviance is like watching them in the advanced sexual education room. Yes, he peeps in through the window. Yeah, and there's a gag about the the sex scene being censored, except it immediately comes back to boob gropage, which kind of ruins the bit. And there's other 
equally horny teachers that are trying to stop the monsters that also doesn't amount to much because she's going for the science guy who's like a get back woman. Yeah, and they're trying to do your classical 50s science solution to the pop monster. And then Mr. Armageddon just blows fire breath on him and they die. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of characters that didn't need to be in the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think, unless you have this trivia somewhere else, I think I read also that there were three different boob doubles for Candace's character. It might, there might be. It's very clear that her boobs are always boob <laughs> it's, doubles. It's not the same, at least not the same one person. And they're very clearly not her because she's not very... Yeah. The, and the people that they got to are. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> that's not... I don't want to be a scumbag about this. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, man. <laughs> but either she was really taping them down or... <laughs> So, uh, while, while all of this random non-sequitur carnage is taking place, uh, things finally come to a head at night when Norm, trying to repel Armageddon's advances, advances on Candace, gets the basketball team to play against a monster all-star team that Looney Tunes clearly ripped off for Space Jam. And we also <laughs> made this exact same joke when we got to this point in the movie. They took you the, have to. Yeah, How can you not make that joke? If, if you've seen Space Jam, anytime aliens or monsters are playing basketball, your brain immediately goes, Monstars. <laughs> like, where's Michael Jordan? Yeah. <laughs> the, the high-waisted basketball shorts galore... The hero's insisting that Armageddon's team play fair, but then noticing that the other team is cheating, their immediate then move is to figure out how to cheat better. I, I want to go back to the high-waisted shorts, because on this watch-through in particular that I most recently did, I was really impressed by Mr. Armageddon's high-waisted <laughs> shorts. They made him look like if Tony Clifton was a boxer, and also <laughs> undead. Also oh, oh, undead. <laughs> And it was fucking spectacular. <laughs> I, I wondered if they had to do the pale face makeup on Mr. Armageddon just to justify not having any makeup on his legs during that last scene so the, the skin tone matches. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of ham hocks in this scene. <laughs> Boy, there's a lot of ham hocks in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> Could be said about Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Monster High. <laughs> so they 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 manage to reprogram the evil three point shooting robot to uh, turn around and just start sinking buckets for their team, which somehow works. And it's worth it noting that the home team is competitive in terms of scores against the monsters, even with the magic computer man. And at the beginning, they criticized Mr. Armageddon. They're like, you better not cheat. And then I'm like, well, they reprogrammed. Like, I don't know if, if having a computer play basketball is fair, although there's nothing in the rule book that says he can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, I'm fairly certain that reprogramming the other team is cheating. Yeah. So I guess it's okay for the humans to cheat. Well, when they when the aliens just outright murder the other like the the That's heroes teams, they always like put them in the penalty box or you <laughs> throw them out of the game. So it would stand to reason that 
if you walk onto the court, pull the pants down of a player, and insert something into his ass, Whoa. you you might be called out on a foul. They're playing with a weird rule book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this game. yeah, but uh, all of the you. all of the humans seem to have no problem with them doing this to the robot man. <laughs> obviously, you've never, is really obviously apart. you've never played horse with me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll just I take the letter. Called, I'll, I'll I just you take the letter. called it Nightcrawlers. <laughs> a sweet reference, dude. <laughs> because of the implications. Because of the implications. <laughs> so yeah, after a uh, after a variety of player deaths uh, that don't get the team fully disqualified, it does eventually get down to the point where it's Norm versus the uh, Mr. Armageddon, and even though he arguably misses a very long basketball shot at the beginning of the movie, I would say he doesn't because he hits the window perfectly and the glass falls perfectly into the trash can. <laughs> Which is honestly a harder shot. Oh, yeah, but for <laughs> sure. After the spinning for an eternity, though. That, yeah. again, well, one of the best bits of the movie. Let's think about that opening shot. It's, in fact, such a hard shot because if you throw a basketball against a window, the glass will collapse in, typically. <laughs> and yet somehow he threw it in such a way that the glass shot out. Didn't even think about that. <laughs> so that is that is an extraordinarily impressive shot that he pulls off in the opening. I hadn't thought about that, but you are absolutely right. <laughs> It puts some sort of underspin on the ball that makes it just pull the glass outwards like as it's going inside. It somehow messes with the gravitation surrounding the ball. Right, I, I think we're right. I think there are multiple supernatural elements in this movie, then. <laughs> the, the ball shot in the opening has is, is got to be the first one. Not that kind of ball shot, Josh. <laughs> can be both. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's plenty of that with the aliens. Which yeah, that sorry, Some I, I knuckle going on. Yeah, I really could not ignore every time there's like a full body shot of the aliens just like tape it down, man. Or like get a dancer's belt, you fuck. Aren't you an actor wearing oh, okay. a cup or anything? It's it definitely seemed. And I was trying not to stare like super super hard, but it seemed like they were they were taping them upwards. Uh, this is what of I was going to say. There had to have been some sort of production assistant or director or watching the camera as it was going. You and so think. they would have definitely, like... So this they're fully aware that this is happening. Like I, I would not be surprised if it was just amateurism not realizing it. That you need <laughs> well, to have a dance belt or something. That's a common mistake that people... Uh, Comic-Con. Are you, Cody, are you familiar with Game Grumps, the, the online... I assume you are. There's a yes. YouTube channel that's massively popular. Yes. Are somewhat familiar from me watching it. Um, one of the characters in it is is uh, is Danny Sexbang, who is also in Ninja Sex Party, mm -hmm. a band. And there is an early picture that they circulated of him in the jumpsuit for it, where he did not yet realize oh, what yeah. you were supposed to do. And you can read the lines, <laughs> uh, much the way Nintendo fans did for Luigi. And I think it's just like when people who don't know things like how you wear dancers' leotards or actors' tights who don't understand that you need to get... There's a thing called a dance belt that, you know, it's like a strap over your shit that flattens it, you know? <laughs> so you're not fucking hanging sausage for the world to see. And people don't realize that if you're a dude. Like, they think about it in ladies in terms of, like, don't let it climb in you, but, you know... <laughs> 
for dudes, you got to watch out for the knuckle. You got to watch out for the knuckle. <laughs> I just, I don't think I'd ever heard climb in you to describe it. <laughs> like two feet up there. What do you know? We're going to get banned. (laughs) All of this is cut. The whole episode is cut. It's always the second episode when we try and make the show. The second one we record, I always go off rails. (laughs) We'll fix it in post. (laughs) That's what she said. But yeah, the the very impressive that was that was the point where I started comparing this movie to like Weird Al music videos or like UHF we were talking about earlier. This like I want to say like three minute long shot of the ball like very obviously dancing all like around the rim both inside the very obviously inside and then like several inches off of the rim like it's on the outside where he's clearly falling and only being held on by a spring or something yeah and then back inside and then you get everybody reacting to it and i think the ref grows like a full beard too which was also like a really good self-aware bit there's a cutaway to people playing checkers uh-huh and then it finally goes in and, and the humans win and Mr. Armageddon agrees to postpone Doomsday for a thousand years. And OD is alive, of course, because that killer pot plant can't do anything to stop a stoner. Yeah, he just, he's, it's implied he just smoked it to death. Yeah, it only fuels their rage. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love the line about, what happened to the killer plant? And he's like, oh, I mean, it's still pretty killer. Because <laughs> he was smoking it. <laughs> So we wrap up with the monster in charge blowing up Armageddon's basketball prison while chiding the amateurish nature of the proceedings. Hey, movie, just because you tell us you're ineptly made doesn't mean you aren't. All right, so now we get on to our discussion here. Uh, I think sort of a jumping off point would be talking about the ways in which this is a very up-all-night movie. Up-all-night movie. Uh, We've already highlighted a lot of those. It has... There's not just nudity, but very obviously gratuitous, mm-hmm. incongruous nudity. <laughs> Cutaways to obvious uh, body doubles. Uh, the There's like also the fact that it's one of those like one good bit for every ten. Like you, you will still laugh throughout this whole movie, but like the ones that actually are funny and catch you off guards are never the things that you expect to be funny and you can see the setup jokes coming from like a mile away i really feel that a lot of it kind of taps into anti-comedy stuff in a way that wasn't even really being done in the 80s because a lot of the funniest bits are some of the very deliberate bits are funny Mm -hmm. like the sort of extended bits but yeah a lot of the funniest bits you're just sort of like wow this is really this is your choice like, you thought this was what made it an entertaining film? So much of the, like, beginning setup stuff is also, like, wild and at it. Like, the mummy coming to life and then immediately cutting away and then bringing it back, like, scenes later. Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff like that. The first half of the movie feels like a fever dream. There's just so much stuff is happening. That, I was I was just going to say, the, to me, that's what made it the most up-all-nighty sort of thing. Yeah. Is, you know, on Friday and Saturday night, you know... Uh, I, the contrivance of up all night suggested that you would have been out 
uh, <laughs> partying or something, and now you're coming home and watching TV before you go to sleep, and yeah. so you're going to be, you know, uh, otherwise inhibited, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and well, and so having like a short attention span sort of movie like this uh, would would be, you know, conducive to those alternative mental states. <laughs> well, I think part of it too is that it was also very targeted at like teen and preteen audiences. Sure. Like, and it was presenting like in the in the in between scenes, it's very much presenting like here's this New York and LA party life, right? Like they'd often go to hot spots uh, or or have sketches with funny people in them, you know. Uh, like, and they're they're selling this idea of sort of coolness with mm-hmm. it. And then, then you watch this weird movie. I don't know. I had a better connection to that in my brain, but it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're, we're cool and big socialites, but we also like weird movies on Saturday nights at mm-hmm. you know, 12 and 2 a.m. <laughs> and, and I think there's a sort of... It's very incongruous because it, it's, it's a comedy horror film where they don't really sit together very well. Like the scene where the guy gets eaten by the shoe... Oh is god. Really fucking gory. That, that was that was the one too where like like I I try as best as I can to at least have a group of people watching specifically these up all night videos because I watch stuff like this all the time but getting getting normies in the room with you and seeing their reactions it is always good to have perspective. Yeah, always increases the joy and value you get, but the the shoe scene a the lead in for, was so painfully obvious it was funny this like mm. giant warning on these shoe inserts that says do not microwave and the character sticking him in the microwave just to dry them off and, and then like, he turns away and Mr. Armageddon is all like ooh hey, yeah. <laughs> honest I kind of wish when when that happened I wished Armageddon wouldn't have shown up and it would yeah. have just been like a random thing that like it was needless that he did like yeah. I don't understand it makes it confusing as to how I watched a review of it where they're basically like, what, was it caused by the inserts in the microwave, or was it magic Uh, by Mr. Armageddon, or like, what caused it? And I'm like, I can't answer that. Yeah. (laughs) There's no answer to that question. But the, like, the shot of him just, like, sinking into the floor with the blood spray up immediately was like, oh, this is like a great Evil Dead-esque, like, low-budget practical effect. And then, out of nowhere, it cuts, and it's this amazing, gory shot of the shoes puking up, like, blood and viscera and bones all the way up to the ceiling yeah. and back down onto the floor. It is very Evil Dead, like, colored oatmeal, like, mm-hmm. really gruish stuff. And there's, in particular, it goes up to the ceiling, and we see, like, on the light, like, a bit of face applique with, like, an ear on it. Yeah. Like, covered in fake blood. It's, like, clinging to the light and slowly going down and I'm like Jesus Christ this is like from Ichi the fucking killers yeah it, you it, wonder you wonder how much of this actually made it to USA I mean in the yeah. in the disclosure to 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 the audience listening here I mean we couldn't get the USA up all night copies of these movies so yeah. like we rarely will I imagine yeah. mm-hmm. if there's any listeners that have a line on where to consistently get the USA up all night versions of all of these things like Drop us a line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, Gilbert so who Godfrey. knows how much of this was actually on TV? You know. Yeah. God, and I remember at least some of that blood spurt me, and thinking when I was a kid, like, "Wow, that's gross." <laughs> well, yeah, that's it, it. It. This is such a great shot, but it's still 
wildly out of place in this movie where if they just if this was the angle they wanted to do they should have been doing it yeah. way earlier like even yeah. the the mummy ripping in half the female alien comes earlier and it's off camera and it's like off camera him, and like you see them... the legs and then you cut to like blood sh- a little bit yeah of blood coming out onto the... you still get the splatter and like the the visual of like holding two legs separately but there's no there's no gore viscera versus like yeah. this scene where they go all out for yeah. no reason whatsoever and almost all of the deaths happen off camera like all the people all the women that he rapes and murders <laughs> All the women that he rapes and murders in this comedy film. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, Allegedly. He, we see him beginning the rape and then we cut away to the bloody fingernail, which is effective and evocative and a bit gross, but it isn't explicit. Like, there, we don't see gore. Also, on that note, I would just like to say that if I'm standing in a, in a public restroom and my zipper and fly come undone and then my cock and balls are like pulled out i don't usually just tuck tuck them back in which happens in this not not for me but the woman is just standing at the mirror and suddenly her blouse becomes unbuttoned and her bra unclasped in one sweet shot all quickly and then she just like does it back up while she's walking out of the bathroom like it's no big deal she's like oh that's weird yeah, no, that's, that's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd feel like if your if your privates just immediately became fully opened, I don't know, you would have a little bit more reaction than a. I mean, frankly, if your clothes undid themselves suddenly, yeah, like and not just in a like, oh, a button failed, like several buttons and a clasp, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's odds are low. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing, it's sort of a gumbo of, because you have aliens, you have monsters, you have possibly magic, like, you have world-ending shit. Uh, it's just kind of a mixture of a million different cultural tropes. Uh, and in a way that feels like it's simultaneously high and low effort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it has complex and weird ideas but it's also kind of a film that was half-assed yeah and it's it i i think of that as the usa apple night register well yeah like films that somebody cared about but not enough to make them good yeah and it's it's wildly inconsistent too like sometimes in like notably good quote-unquote bad movies it'll be something like oh well the special effects from beginning to end are amazing or like the costume designs is great and then movies like these that perfectly exemplify Up All Night, there's just no consistently. Like, somebody will have, like, the robot person costume, I feel like, was is pretty pretty mm-hmm. intense. A lot of work on that versus other things like Mr. Armageddon is just... He's just a dude. Just a dude, yeah. Like a velvet cape and not much else. He looks like a fill-in host for Sven Gulli. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Looks, uh, but yeah. looks like he's on that uh, pirate boat at the beginning of Arrested Development. <laughs> the computer effects are actually, especially before he stands up, like when it's just the when the guy's been sucked into a computer, is, is how the computer man is made. And there's just all these wires loose, and they like fly up and attack the nerds, and it's kind of cool. Yeah, that one was also like a any any of the shots that also reminds me of Evil Dead, where like yeah. vine like things seem like they're piercing into a character's skin yeah. is one of those like very simple effects that you can do really easily with just some like 
uh, what is it, the, like, plasticine stuff. Yeah. But it, it it's so horrifying to imagine, like, things yeah. going into your skin. It's a super visceral effect, so I see why people rely on it. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, you've, like, whenever I watch it, I feel it. Like, it makes your skin kind of crawl. Yeah. With the feeling. Do you, Aura, when you see that kind of thing? Uh, when people are uh, getting shots, like, oh. like, injections and things like that, and for some reason the camera decides, like... As somebody with an intense fear of needles, like all of the sudden, like uh, that that always gets me. That's um, what gets you. <laughs> or um, though, my I've told this story on other uh, on other versions of podcasts that we've done, but uh, in RoboCop, the first RoboCop, when they blow off uh, Murphy's limbs, <laughs> for some reason that sort of viscera gets me too. Maybe because that particular movie hit me at an age when I was way too young to be watching it. Yeah, we had a, we had a pretty complex conversation about uh, why RoboCop would be pitched at children, <laughs> basically, <laughs> um, because clearly not a kids' movie, and yet <laughs> there, there's a cartoon and like. Yeah. That's a long conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we already had it, but yeah. I just wanted to make well, sure that... It'd be an interesting one to have on a show sometime, just oh, like a sure. pretext for. But... Yeah. God. Oh, right. hand stabbing. Hand stabbing? I can't... If it's from the top of the hand, I don't know why it doesn't bother me as much. Like, evil, again, evil dead, like when he stabs yeah. his hand into the ground, that's fine. But, like, the beginning of Hot Fuzz, where it's the the Santa Claus that's, like, stabbing through his palm, that just, like, any anything of mutilation of hands freaks me out eyeballs. so badly. Eyeballs get me. Ooh, like, like a in zombie with the slow poker think... coming at the eyeball. I'm just like... <laughs> Although, uh, weirdly, were... not Unshin and Delu. Like, the eye slice thing doesn't really bother me that much. Wow. The, uh, the eyeball thing... Uh, is one of the things they specifically mention in the comics code authority as being things that they're like no attacking eyeballs like because the, there were so many covers on EC that were yeah. like a, a wide open uh, eyeball with a knife right by it or a yeah. needle or whatever because it's a very great cover yeah <laughs> so it immediately conveys horror yeah or suspense can, or suspense stories there's like three horror movies off the top of my head that I can think of that have like that ex- literal exact cover where there's nothing more than an eye and some object that looks like it's about to go into an eye yeah, I think the most recent one I can think of was would you rather I think that, yep like, that was one of them uh, that I was thinking of which was actually if I no that one what, would you rather is the off that? is the one where the ending Spoiler alert! Is that she's doing it all for her brother? Yeah, that she one lives, was good. and then she gets home, and the brother killed himself during the events of the movie. I totally, I could totally tell that was going to happen. Yeah. He was sick, and I was like, "She's going to come home, and he's going to fucking slit his wrists." Like this is, this is obviously how it's going to be. But it's a pretty good movie, and Jeffrey Combs in that, if I recall. Is that the one with uh, Sasha Gray in it too, or some other like porn star who has tried to turn Sasha Baron? I think Cohen. so. Like somebody, somebody in that. <laughs> Tracy Lord's transition uh-huh. uh, trajectory. It was it was a, it was a decent film. There was another film that was a sort of like truth or dareish type, you know, kids game horror movie that I watched not that long ago. That was a bit of a turd. So <laughs> I was trying to make sure it wasn't that one. No, there's but, yeah, yeah, there's a few of them. Would you rather? Good film. Okay, uh, so now that we've talked about this movie and then other movies that are significantly better, uh, it's time to, to move on to our games section after the jump. After the jump. Jump, jump. Ah! 
penalty on the shoe, monster! Oh, come on. Are we playing Shuffleboard? You're player eight, one of ours. That's game, right? Two free throws! What? I know. Totally unfair. Why not just hand the game to them? No, I mean, isn't that a bit weak? They just committed murder on the court. Shouldn't that be a forfeit? Am I right? I guess it. Hey, how about you don't tell me how to do my job and I don't tell you how to do yours, okay, buddy? That's the league penalty for a monster eating a player. There's no way that's in the rules. Well, I stand corrected. Play ball! Oh, now we can just shoot players? I could have been anyone's laser. Alright, the fun and game the fun and game section, my favorite section, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna have some some games theme music under here, right? Right? Yeah. Right? We're gonna have the I mean, obviously we're listening to the game theme right now. Yeah, you know, it's back, right? the the the, uh, the dating game theme or something, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Oh my god, one of those, like, 80s, crazy 80s, like, synth g- game, like, oh, that'd be so fun. <laughs> we just make Aura think it's game music, and then in the background it's... Boom, boom, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, dun. So it's it's the fun and game section of the show. <laughs> Cody, you want to take a spin of that big ol' wheel? <laughs> this will be the new running gag. <laughs> Stay puffed, rejects is what it lands on. So uh, this this is a game where we come up with our own monsters. All right. So uh, thinking of thinking of in the spirit of the of our high school experiences and what what might have become monsters in uh, in in our worlds had had uh, had had uh, Gloob and Glee landed. Like at our high school, uh, Gloom and Doom. Oh, sorry, Gloom and Doom. <laughs> you know, it's funny because <laughs> Dingus and Who's Watts. <laughs> Dingus and Who's It Watts. Ah, Gilbert Gottfried voice. All right, <laughs> <laughs> made an appearance. <laughs> oh my gosh, what if I did the games of the Gilbert Gottfried voice? Yeah, it's too fucking late. You, you not, you Look, Aura, my friend, I enjoy working with you. You're not going to keep up a Gilbert Gottfried impression for the entirety of hosting the game. Like so. hell, I can't. <laughs> well, you will kill yourself trying. No, that's true. <laughs> You'll never be able to speak again. <laughs> or, or, or I'll get it in my head, <laughs> that, which is the worst thing, probably. I'll get it in my head, and I won't be able to shut it off. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it at work someday. Still, that, that'll well, be 950 change for you. <laughs> welcome, class, to Intra de Sociology. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. So thinking back to our own high school experiences, some of the some of the the re- reject uh, monsters that would have appeared on I on, in our hypothetical basketball game. Uh, so because I'm springing this on you guys, and I had a minute to think about, I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and start. So what uh, I remember in high school, uh, 
pom-poms. Like, I feel like, you know, like, the cheerleaders wouldn't change, like, they would wear their cheerleader costumes, like, out into the school, right? Like, where other athletes, like, changed into regular, like, you know, uh, regular high school clothes. For some reason, the cheerleaders got a pass and could just walk around in cheerleading uniforms. Uh, and and so to me, like, the, the, the pom-pom things were always very... Um, within that that high school sort of experience. So I would want a pom-pom monster of some kind that would, that would like... Um, would it be like a the, walking pom-pom, or would it be like a cheerleader with the head of a pom-pom? Oh my gosh. Or would it eat your arms and, like, uh, become pom-pom arms? Well, I, I had, a, like, the pop monster experience in my head with, okay. the, with so just, giant just the tendril things. But but now the way you're describing it like seems more apropos. I think the pom pom arm thing seems like a very sort of Power Rangers like Sentai. Yeah. If it was <laughs> if it was the pom pom hands and the head, it would look like that like little cartoon McDonald's character that was also inexplicably a pom pom head that did fill me with real dread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. The, oh, go ahead. Like the was that the Fry Guys or whatever. Uh, that might have been it. And the five guys were like a little bush type thing. I yeah, think. Which exactly. Was, which was terrifying as a kid because they were of the McDonald's. Some of the McDonald's characters were just like a clown or something. Uh-huh. But some of them were items of food. Yeah, the real food that you would be eating. So, like, you'd look at the Fry Guys and you'd be like, are they in the fucking fryer over there? <laughs> <laughs> you just get little, like, bits of googly eyes every now and then. <laughs> Sorry, digression there. You just hear them in the back like, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Shut up, yo. <laughs> just pushing them down with a plunger. <laughs> so, yeah, um... As of this recording, uh, I'm not sure how, how far in this particular episode is, so so I have to contextualize this just a little bit. But as of this recording, the Impossible Whopper is brand new at Burger King. Like, it's it's only a few days old. And so yesterday I went to go, uh, I, w- I, was, I was with Josh on the, on the way back from the roller derby, um, and, and we stopped at Burger King. And one of the things that Josh got his food right away, he just ordered a standard whatever. I, I being a fan of novelty sort of objects at these things and drinks, I, I will usually, like, I'll give that a try and then never eat it again, right? So the Impossible Whopper I ordered, and uh, they were taking a while to, to sort of get it together, and, and so out at the table, we were there, what, 10, 15 minutes, like, before I finally got up, and I was like, did they forget about me? So I went back up to the counter, and uh, and I watched them like uh, uh, flame broil the 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 patty, and it ended up coming out of the fryer, and it did this very flop sort of thing, and and you got to, uh, the the audience can't see what I did, but what happened was a it was a flop like just as it came out of the thing, it just like did this um wriggle, yeah, <laughs> and as he put it onto the bun, I was like. That's the least appetizing thing I believe I've ever seen in my life now. <laughs> like, I'm sure it would have been fine had I not seen it flop about. But, but now I'm not sure I want to eat that. Um, something that would have this sound effects in a movie? Exactly that, yes. Um, That's the sound of the pom-pom monster? Yeah. Oh, oh, wow, yes. Um, the Impossible Whopper, uh, not to plug it, it, it was fine. 
Uh, it wasn't 100% good, but it also Thanks wasn't Thanks to our 100%. sponsors, Burger King. They endorse all of these movies. <laughs> well, they, 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 Everything they, that happens the in The line them. at the Burger King parking uh, it usually they has endorsed break. our podcast in the past, so it's not <laughs> shocking that... that uh, anyway, so... So I'll, uh, the pom-pom monster would be one of the things that jumps out in my brain as being indicative of, of my high school experience and terror at the same time. Also because of my, you know, being a teenage boy and fearing cheerleaders because, you know, they traveled in packs and were mean. <laughs> Alright, my high school monster would be Boss Bummer who's the boss from your part-time high school job oh, who yes. fires you just because you uh, you came in on your day off and smoked a bunch of pot out back with the bong you made from cleaning supplies and then stole <laughs> an entire bag of popcorn and like a vat of, of soda. Whatever. And then, and that then, guy sounds like a bummer. Because let me tell you, <laughs> Boss Bummer also fired me for sneaking people into movies when explicitly you weren't supposed to, but everybody did. Yeah. And then they eat you or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly it's not from personal experience. No, me neither. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't tell my movie theater stuff because I might have people listening, and I don't want to get caught for mine. What's the uh, oh, the statute of limitations? Statute of limitations. Is up. Was, it, yeah. was it the one in town? No, 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 no. no. In my around. hometown. Oh, okay. Shout, shout out B and B. But yeah, no. Yeah, me and Josh, uh, of course, our love of movies extended. To our, our jobs at one point. And, uh, As did Cody's, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, movie theater and family video, because Blockbuster was not a thing by the time I was old enough to enter the workforce. I, apl- I applied at a Hollywood video and never got a job. Uh, Josh. I worked at one for a few years. Uh, I gotta say, uh, movie theater job, pro tip, great job when you're in high school. Not as great a job when you're 30? No. For <laughs> sure not. Is that so? Yeah. <laughs> Eventually you start to get to a point where you're like, I'm working at a movie theater now. This is, this is what Sorry, friends of mine who still work at movie theaters <laughs> close to my age. I'm, I'm sure the, you know, there's, there's ambition there. I mean, at some point you can go career. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, I was thinking about this, I have a variety of things that I could have for my high school monster, but if I was, if I was in the movie, this is how I would set it up, it's a, uh, you, you'd go into the band room, and it would just be this pile of instruments in the corner that definitely, like, vaguely Uh-oh. resembles a man, and something, you hear something rustling, and you see, like, something kind of fall on, like, the pile of instruments, and you're like, oh, why are why are they out of the cases? And, and you go over and you think it's the instruments, but what it actually is is all of the folding chairs that are like piled on top of each other. And it's kind of like the pot monster. It's just a blob of band chairs, but then there's one long arm of the band chair that rises above, like much taller, oh. and just slams down. It's just the awful weight of all of these like metal and cushion folding chairs just like flattening oh something. This is terrifying. And it hits you with the first chair. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, layers to that fun joke. See what you did there. Shame on you. Uh, related to your monster, I, I, I came up with a second one just now. So, um, I, Josh has heard me tell this story a couple of times. I don't know if I've told this on air, though. So there, uh, when I when I uh, first moved to town here, uh, one of the first jobs I had was I worked uh, as an editor for a journal. 
but the thing about this editorship was that I, I had to, like, because of the way my life was set up at the time, I kind of had to do it in a weird schedule. So I'd, I'd often be up at school at 2, 3 in the morning, like, editing this journal. And um, on the way sort of in and out of this building... Uh, there was there was a soda machine with a with a motion sensor on it, but the first time I discovered this it was like you know friggin' two in the morning. I'm by myself in this thing. I walk by this soda machine and it starts making transformer fucking noises, right? <laughs> and like lights up, and for just I don't know a hair of a second. Like, I thought that was the end. Like, I literally <laughs> thought that this thing was going to transform and, like, murder me because <laughs> of, the, cause of the, the activation on it. So, I remember in high school was the first time I had availability of, like, soda machine for lunch. Uh, it was an okay soda machine, actually. Mm. Uh, speaking of, of things that we miss from, from this era. Um... And now you can also carbon date when I was in high school. If you're if you're uh, into trying to figure out when OK Soda was on the market, and when when I would have been in high school, but um, the uh, it's a lot of research. Uh, Nineteen ninety four. The end. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> so so mine would be would be this existential OK Soda machine that that. That uh, would uh, would would throw cans at you and also platitudes. <laughs> I, so so since you got to do another monster, sure. I also want to do my B monster, which is also <laughs> yeah. relating to your idea. Sure, and I, I like the idea of the the existential crisis of the character, like continuously waking up in the movie. You just have another character that throughout the movie, as he's talking to his fellow students, they'll say something like. Oh man, are you coming to the party this Wednesday night? And he'll be like, "Yeah." And then there'll be a, a lightning strike, and he'll turn around, and there'll be a Dracula, like very obviously made up in Dracula. But as soon as he pulls his cape to the side, you see he's wearing like a, a Fellowship of Christian Athletes T-shirt, and he says, "Don't forget you have Bible study." And the character <laughs> goes, "No!" And that that keeps happening with like, "Oh, hey man, we're gonna stay up really late on Sunday and ditch school, or like stay up really late Sunday night and ditch school Monday." And he's like, "Oh, that sounds awesome." The, the, the Dracula shows up again and goes, "The Lord does not wait." And he's like, "No!" Funny Dracula. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a bee monster too, and it's uh, podcast segments that go on too long. So let's do the next one. Wow. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, Cody, I guess we're getting a spin of that big wheel since uh, Josh hates fun. <laughs> we'll make it a quick one. Oh, the Dick. the wheel was quick. I the segment. Okay, yeah, I get no, it. No, no. Okay, the uh, segment can't be quick. No, absolutely not. Uh, so uh, this one's. Called uh, Tag Your It. This is a new one I, I, I came up with uh, literally five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> taglines. Let's Ooh. come up with a tagline for this movie. Our own tagline. I, I don't know what their tagline is, uh, <laughs> but uh, but I would I would uh, I would start by saying uh, balls to the walls, <laughs> right? Yeah. So. Uh, what kind of uh, what kinds of things would feed into 
this sort of tagline uh, of this film, do you think, Josh? It would be a good tagline. Well, just for posterity's sake, apparently the actual tagline is a cosmic campus comedy. Wow, that's bad. Yep. So we could definitely do better than this. Yeah. (laughs) Or you could go off the tagline, which is on the box art, which is from the co-producer who brought you Return of the Swamp Thing. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely... Uh, my tagline for it, very honest tagline, sure. would be like, look, I know you're just here for the titties and you're 13. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know you're 13 and you're here for the titties. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> uh, sit, sit near the back, please. <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I think... Well, Want to get high and watch Monster High? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Monster High and watch a bad movie. <laughs> Monster High, the movie with bite. Wait, sorry, I mean that bite. Oh! <laughs> I, I think mine would be something like, uh, equally corny, something like, the end of the world starts at my high school, hooray! Or something along those lines. Uh, I like the one that I wrote for our opening, like it's the sure. end of the world and I feel kind of icked out. Icked out. <laughs> icked out. <Yeah. laughs> All right, let's get let's get uh, one or two more spins of this let's wheel, do, Cody. Let's do one more. All right. Like maybe. Uh... Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> hang on. I I, I want to do two. I think. Okay. Uh. So. Uh. I'll I'll save yours for last. Let's uh. Let's let's do genre swap. We can do genre swap. Well, you mean it landed on genres? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it landed uh, on genre swap. How weird uh, is that? Uh, genre swap. <laughs> I love genre swap. I think this is going to be the regular one, actually. So, um, so, so the, this game, how this one works, is we assign each other uh, if this were a different genre of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so, so this, um, <laughs> I, this time I'm going to uh, assign Josh a, a regular old genre. Uh, maybe assign Cody this time, since you assigned me last time. Okay. Uh, action adventure, Cody. Oh shit! Action adventure. Okay. Yep. For Monster High. No, you 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 tell Josh his. Oh, and that. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, uh, procedural court drama. Oh shit. <laughs> um. Uh, Aura. Yeah. How about? Uh, psychological thriller. Psychological thriller. Okay, here we go. All right, uh, Cody, you want up first, or do you? Do you uh, up first. Uh, I'll I'll go first. Okay. Uh, action adventure. So, uh, you gotta you gotta take out all the breasts. Unfortunately, I'm uh, I'm gonna direct this more into like the uh, goosebumps style action adventure where the high school itself is like blown up immediately. And so everything else is is more of a like, we have to go through all of these places across town and fight, and more like a monster squad in that sense, where like all the monsters kind of like <laughs> spawn initially, and then they spread out, and there's like mass destruction around town, but that gives them a little bit more room to move around. I mean, they already go in the basements and the non-existent school basement and the basketball court and everything that they can do in the movie. But uh, some some more to do action adventure. I feel like you'd 
have to punch up the more like awful comedy like oh the, sure like a cheesy line or something. yeah like the mummy would be in the the houseware section of a department store and he's like wrapped up in extra toilet paper or some some stuff along those lines uh then then the gargoyle coming to life would make sense because he's just like terrorizing the town yeah but i think i think that's how i would do it a, a couple like two or three uh, car flip explosions that's obviously the exact yes. same car flip explosion <laughs> <laughs> same street like same it's it would be at night and then the car flip explosion is in the daytime but it cuts back to it multiple times the male character would clearly have an eye patch <laughs> no <laughs> yeah that's i feel like norm median also needs to instead of being a high schooler is like a uh is a 30 year old undercover person a yeah. la 21 jump street yeah and so he's investigating this uh, this school explosion. And like and everybody all... knows he's thirty. Yeah, but he keeps saying, "Well, I'm Norm Median. I'm a I'm a transfer student." And they're like, "Okay, Norm." <laughs> and every time Norm enters the room, everybody goes, "Norm." <laughs> Sorry, that's a very generic joke. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about what I'm going to do here. Uh, I no, I'm gonna okay, yeah. Uh, Instead of the the framing device in the existing one for my courtroom drama sure. procedural, uh, it's going to be an investigation by the SVU. Okay. Uh, there's basically an episode of Law and Order SVU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of being a, a magic alien with the power to end the world, uh, <laughs> Mr. Armageddon is just a local pervert who sure, yep. to be, and then rapes and murders people. And there's, of course, a scene where Rice T goes, You mean this guy thinks that he's Dracula? <laughs> <laughs> we bleed insanity. <laughs> uh. So mine also, uh, my psychological thriller also picks on the framing device a little bit, except my framing device is a psychologist, right? And <laughs> and the monster in charge is trying to get into the heads of these people and try to figure out what, like, what happened here? Like, where where did this all go wrong? Because because Mr. Armageddon is a serial rapist and murderer, right? And uh, and so so the the monster in charge guy is, you know. Like uh, doing all these voiceovers, like it was a you know it was a stormy night and 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 the high school like you know everybody in the high school was was huddled together like trying to you know just have a little fun in their senior year (laughs) and and slowly one by one they disappeared you know and and uh, and the coke nail with the bloodied thing would feature heavily into like several more scenes because it would be the the killer's trademark, right? Oh my god! I like hearing the the voiceover part in my head. I'm just hearing the like slow toned Guy Pierce VA for like Memento yeah. like, and all of those shots. Oh great genre swap! I love it. it yeah. Uh, one last spin of the wheel here, Cody. Oh, look, it landed on metagames. Metagames! <laughs> metagames. But that's, uh, in this film, there's a game that's played for the fate of the universe, a game of basketball. But basketball's kind of played out. Not everybody's into sports. Uh, so what we're going to do with this game is we're going to talk about what else you could play, like what other games you could play for the fate of the universe and sort of uh, how that would go, what, what yeah. would be interesting about that. 
Uh, I'm going to, to lead with my example, which is they're going to do something which probably we're going to do at some point on this podcast for a sure. special episode and play the Save by the Bell trivia board game. <laughs> <laughs> they just all get around, like Mr. Armageddon and Norm and Candace and, I don't know, some other monster person, that's, one of the fucking dumb some, aliens. That's some interesting answer, foreshadowing you'll have there. <laughs> and answer trivia questions about Save by the Bell to try and get the hottest guys to date them. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what that game's about. So, what would you guys have them play? I mean, obviously, I would have them play roller derby. I mean, you'd have them like, do a roller derby match. It, it would be, it would be, uh, you know, a little bit like roller ball, though. It would have to necessarily be for for the for it to continue to fit this genre convention. So, it would be roller derby, but with murder and James Con. And yes, <laughs> <laughs> or Rebecca Romaine Stamos, depending on which version of the movie you yeah. know we're ripping off. And L. Cool J. And, uh, <laughs> one of the announcers from. EC, the announcer from ECW, I think, Paul. Uh, is that right? Paul, what's his name? Is it? Maybe I'm wrong. Paul Heyman. For mine, for my enemy Chris Klein. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for mine, I think I'd uh, I'd go very literal with the title for Meta Games, and it would be uh, Norm challenging the. Uh, Mr. Armageddon to a fiddle competition. Oh no! And, and he's like, "Oh, all right, you know, some some shoehorn line in is like, I'm the best that's ever been." And then all of a sudden, and uh, he's you you see him pull out like a bow, and he's like starts tuning it up, and he's Norm's like, "What are you talking about?" And they walk over to the school's convenient like smelting area, and you just see a bunch of gold ingots piled up, and it's like, "All right, whoever makes the best golden fiddle wins." <laughs> and Norm has of course taken several extra credit hours in smelting and, and <laughs> anvil production. So you just see lots of opportunities for Mr. Armageddon to get burned and scalded. By the end, like all of his fingertips are, or his uh, his coke nails are suddenly gold. And make that groany noise that actor does in that role. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. If, uh, he makes that so many times in this fucking movie. If uh, you know, if we wouldn't get sued for copyright playing that song with the devil with the fiddle, it would would be right here. But we would get sued for copyright, so you just have to imagine that song audience. Maybe we'll do the enough. Primus version. They seem chiller about that kind of stuff. If, if it's in your head, we don't have to pay royalties. That's right. <laughs> yeah, think that. Uh, did, did you notice the one I added in the in the meta games there? No, because I, I, I was in a reading mode and it's not a oh, okay. Uh, a money in the bank style wrestling, Josh. <laughs> of course. Can you explain how that would work for us, Aura? Uh, something to do with a cage and wrestlers and and tag teaming, <laughs> right? No. Is there, is there a briefcase involved at all? There's no money in the briefcase. There's no. Why is it called a money in the bank game? Though? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that about wraps us on games. <laughs> really obscure reference to podcasts that are no longer up anywhere. So This is for the listeners that followed us. It's a little bonus for those of you that followed us over. Hey, Andy um, Kaufman knew the secret to inside jokes is that no one can be inside. It's just for you. Thank you very much. Uh, so now we're going to go on to the Andy, where are they now? Andy the rating and trivia come up a couple of times this episode. For some reason, this movie watching it this time really reminded me of Andy Kaufman. I don't sure. know why, at all. Sorry, where are they now? Not Andy Kaufman. They came we up, know where he they is. They came up now, three but... times because I made a Tony Clifton reference. I, yeah, the Tony Clifton reference was apt. <laughs> 
All right, so I got some trivia and where are they now? So that I gathered on this. Uh, if you guys have any of that, you might get that ready real quick. If you don't, that's fine too. Uh, the only person in the film to go on to have much of a decent career was Diana Frank, who played Candace Kane. Uh, she, as I mentioned during earlier in the podcast in the synopsis, uh, she worked in Europe a fair deal, making French and German films. Uh, and had a recurring role on the television program, and I really want to find an English dub of this program, yes. Dare Clown, which is about a superhero secret detective crime fighter who hides behind a clown mask. And the the, the series poster that I've seen, I think it's the one on IMDb, shows a clown holding a bazooka. <laughs> secret, I huh? don't need more to make me want to watch your show. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Leave well, it up to the... the the Germans or the French, whichever, uh, to that would that would probably be German, right? That was German. Yeah. Oh. To to be able to sell a TV show, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Germans are amazing. Uh, the director Rudy Poe uh, later worked uh, as a producer for Play Playboy Video Arm, joining the writer from our previous movie, uh, and working on films like Playboy Women of Enron. <laughs> Which, of all the titles on the list, I thought was the most fun. Yeah, that's uh, similar to Playboy Women of the Lehman Brothers Bank. and <laughs> uh, fun, fun fact about me, at one point I went into a family video uh, with my at-the-time girlfriend, and they had a video called Playboy Women of Walmart. And we decided, <laughs> you know what, we kind of got to see that. And it was every bit as sad as oh. you'd expect a video entitled Playboy oh. Women of Walmart to be. Uh, sorry if there are any women of Walmart listening. Uh, co-writers Roy Langston and John Platt would work together again on The Forbidden Dance, which was one of the competing Golan Globus Lombada films after the canon split. There was Lombada, and then there was The Forbidden Dance, and they both came out at about the same time in sort of a war to be the next Breakin'. <laughs> I'm not joking. It was because they wanted to make the next Breakin'. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Which, uh, while Langston's career would largely stagnate after that, uh, Platt went on to become a successful reality television producer, uh, making almost 200 episodes of The American Big Brother and 138 episodes of Big Brother After Dark. What? From 2002 to 2009. And Aura is still surprised by that, even though this is the second Uh, time we've tried to make it. No, I was pretending to be surprised that time. And I was pretending to not The curtain, Aura, the curtain. I I didn't know. Yeah, no, it's that, um, it's still to the, I mean... It, it it amazes me uh, that uh, that there is that connection. Yeah, and like mm. that's what amazes me more than anything. I mean, I'm going to tell you when I was looking all these people up because audience might or might not know that depending on whether they've listened to us on, on our prior incarnation, or as a, was at one point a huge Big Brother fan. That Although is he has forsaken his show at this point uh, because of Ill, ill-advised moves on their part. Exactly. Thank um, you. Because of villainy. Because of um, villainy, not the villainy. That's diegetic, but extra diegetic villainy. <laughs> uh, if it's reality television, is it ever truly extra diegetic? Aw, oh, damn it. I'm going to write a paper on that. Mm. <laughs> so when I was looking all of these people up, I was like, you know, these people have done this. this people, and then I saw this guy had been involved in Big Brother, and I was like, holy shit, this is a fact I need to have. Yes. Because, and I don't think you realized that it happened until the first time we tried to record this, and right. you were legitimately blown away. Like, wait, what? what? <laughs> Man. Yeah. And then also, uh, one last tidbit, 
that Sean Haynes, who played Gloom, one of the aliens, uh, directs shitty YouTube videos about celebrities. Dun dun dun. Uh, I haven't re-looked those up, but I think he just has a couple of like celebrity gossip videos that he has on YouTube. So, whatever. Uh, any, you guys got any trivia, any interesting facts to share? I, I just had the one that uh, Candace Kane's actress had uh, multiple uh, boob doubles yep. for this film. Even though in one shot, she it is definitely her because you see her head in the frame as well. Which uh, just goes all the more to very obviously show that the others are different people since they are cropped right at the neck. And they just don't look like her. They're just not <laughs> built like her in the slightest. Nope. That is kind of weird, though, that they would bother with it once and not, you know. They... It fits in with the ineptitude of the rest of the production. <laughs> or maybe maybe it was reshoots to fucking punch sure. it up. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> push, push it up. <laughs> Alright, so let's move on to our rating. Oh, yes, so, the rating. Oh, man. How do we rate it? What do we rate it with? Uh, I'm going to give this film... Uh, three and a half alien moose knuckles. Oh, hmm. uh, I I thought it was. It's not by any means a good film. Uh, by any objective standards, it's it's not. So what we're left with is whether it is good or bad. And I think it is close enough to good bad to be watchable if you're into that, but not like the room levels of. You can show this to anyone and they'll just be blown away by the incomprehensibility of the fact that it got made. Like it makes a little too much sense to be truly balls out crazy despite it being a moose knuckle rating three crates labeled doomsday device for me I think uh, I think that uh, this I had uh, I had it on in the background this go around <laughs> like I, <laughs> I was I was uh, doing some other stuff cooking reading comic books you know that sort of stuff all it was on and it worked just fine as a on the back in the background film. <laughs> so, uh, I would give it uh, three out of five uh, alliteration name puns. Alliteration name puns. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it, it is exactly that. It's it's not the type of movie that you're going to really remember, other than the next time that you see the people that you watched it with. You can talk about all of your weird inside references and, and stuff like that you you got from watching it but but beyond that if if I had seen it by myself and I, I wasn't doing this show it would have been like oh that that cool sneaker scene and everything else was weird and uh, you probably shouldn't watch it with uh, with any female friends who are who are sensitive towards uh, the uh, Towards issues of sexual assault? Yeah, the disparaging way that women are portrayed in this film, which is upsetting when you think about it for even a little bit, which is why you try to gloss over it real quick, like. Yeah, I mean, it's a recurring theme that we're going to get doing shows in this, but the 80s had real problems with how they treated sexual assault in films. Sure. And I really hope anybody who has problems with that is not listening to our podcast. Like, if you... And if I can be serious for a second, I remember I said on our previous podcast one time, like, if you have any sort of recurring psychological issue stemming from that kind of thing, from sexual assault, please don't listen, because uh, the funniness level, like, that we have with this, the fun that we have with doing this podcast is not enough to justify you injuring yourself in any way. Yeah, for sure. 
So yeah. that that <laughs> averages <laughs> us uh, three yeah, and a third stars. <laughs> uh, that's nine and a half out of fifteen total. Uh, I think to synthesize your guys' reviews, sure. it's I think it is an odd class of movie that I don't think people have as much use for these days necessarily, which is a good movie to put on at a party when people aren't going to be sitting down and watching it. Yeah, like a party sure. where people are playing board games. Throw it on in the background. And every once in a while, you look up and see a shoe monster or a fucking guy getting eaten by a pot leaf or like a monster basketball game. Well, and everyone yeah. will just be like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. What's that movie uh, that's ripping off Space like, Jam doing? Like it's, right. it's better in occasional glances than in actually watching. Which is how most of these up all night movies are, are viewed anyway. It's yeah. in occasional glances. <laughs> yep. Not necessarily an inebriation film, I would say. Hey, it is Future Josh back once again with the social media deets that I promised y'all at the top of the show. You can catch all of the That Podcast Productions podcasts over at thatpodcastproductions.fireside.fm. You can also follow us through our Facebook group, which is the That Podcast Stays Up All Night Slumber Party. That's it for now, but there should be both an Instagram on the Grams, as I've heard it called, and also a Twitter coming up before too long. There may also be an email coming. Stay tuned. For the next episode of That Podcast Stays Up All Night, we'll be doing an in-depth expose on chemical additives in the food industry. By which I mean we'll be watching the rape-based comedy Fast Food, starring Tracy Lords and Ernest. Weirdly not... Weirdly, it might be the most humiliating film that Tracy Lords actually had to do. <laughs> well, that's it for this week's so That Podcast Stays Up All Night. Until next time, boys and girls, keep your gargoyles horny and your computer sentient and out looking for blood. <laughs>